You're listening to Plug In to Health with Prevea Health, exploring healthcare topics that matter to you, the latest developments in health and medicine, and the inspiring stories that emerge from Prevea Health, our partners, and the communities we serve. Testing was one of the first lines of defense we had available to us at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, and nearly two years later, it remains critical to curbing the spread of the virus in our communities. On this episode of Plug Into Health, we're going to dive into at-home COVID testing kits. How do they work? How reliable are they? And when should you consider taking one? Dr. Ashok Rai, President and CEO of Purveya Health, is helping us answer these questions and more. So, Dr. Rai, I think the first thing I'd like to do here is kind of have you paint a picture of what COVID-19 testing looked like in the beginning of the pandemic and where we're at now. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we had very little resources. Uh, There were even very few approved machines to actually do a PCR test, which was considered gold standard and, and all we had then. And then when they did get approved, just the supplies, uh, the reagents necessary, we even fell short on number of swabs, uh, which seemed like a normal thing to have today. We have to rewind back to you know the spring of 2020. We had testing sites without the ability to test people in mass like we can today. So I think it's 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 completely different today. You know today. PCR testing is widely available in pretty much every medical laboratory. Even small physician offices with certain machines can can do that and get a pretty quick turnaround. Um, we've seen the development of other um, what we call nucleic amplification testing, um, basically small portable, not quite PCR, not quite antigen, but a, a little of that out there that that can you can get a result in say 15 to 90 minutes. And then we've seen a, a, a strong proliferation around the world of antigen tests uh, in outside of the country they're called lateral flow tests uh, and that's the equivalent of what we call our, our home testing right now where you know it's maybe not where we would expect our PCR testing to be but a lot more available. So let's clarify a couple of things. First what is what does it mean to have a PCR test and how does that differ from the antigen which is the at-home testing? So, you know, we'll start with PCR testing and antigen testing and what's similar. Uh, how you collect the sample is pretty similar. Uh, through a nasal swab, uh, you don't need to have one of those, uh, I think my kids call them the brain biopsy swabs or the <laughs> nasopharyngeal swab. Just a simple nasal swab works for both tests. So pretty pretty comfortable, not, not all that uncomfortable. And there's other ways to even do PCR testing with saliva as well. But pretty much how the, te- how the sample is collected is, about, is the same. Now, PCR uh, testing requires uh, a large piece of equipment, an analyzer, as we would call it, and it's really looking at genetic material and the amplification of that and detecting that to detect the virus COVID-19. It's really sensitive, which means it's pretty accurate, uh, especially when it comes to picking up, uh, you know, somebody who may not have symptoms yet. Early disease, PCR, definitely much better. And it can also be positive after you've recovered from COVID-19. So that's kind of creates a situation of does that person, is that person still infectious or not? Um, somebody who has recovered from COVID-19 can actually have a positive PCR test for up to 90 days. And that's why we don't recommend testing after recovery uh, for three months. Mm-hmm. But it's that sensitive. It can really pick up, you know, uh, the, the virus dead or alive mm-hmm. uh, in somebody's nose. And then when we go to antigen testing, which uh, we can also do in the lab, 
uh, but we can also do at home. Uh, and uh, a lot of antigen testing doesn't require a machine. Some, we could actually have machines for it too. And that's looking for a protein that uh, is part of the virus when it's actively re replicating. In other words, you, it's, it's accurate if you have symptoms. You're actively infected. You've got that sore throat. You've got that fever. You've lost that smell or taste. You name your COVID symptom. That's where the at-home or the antigen testing um, can be really accurate. Without symptoms, it isn't all that useful. Yeah, and I, I want to get into more of that um, in, in just a little bit. But I, I think what, what's so crazy to me is I think of, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, with testing, you would see these, I've, I pictured, you know, the lines of cars that drive through sites, right, going through convention halls and stadiums. And now you can literally walk into a drugstore and, and find a box of at-home testing kits. So that's kind of what we want to dive into a little bit more here. Let's start from the beginning of I go and buy a package of these, okay? How do they work from the moment I open the box to, you know, waiting for the result of the test? You know, they're pretty simple. Uh, let's take the one we commonly use in our in our household. It's, it's very simple. Uh, there's two tests in a box. It really depends on what brand you buy, but that's just what, what we buy at our house. And uh, swab uh, both nostrils. Uh, there's instructions in doing that. You put uh, a liquid onto a card, uh, in this case, six drops, and then you put the swab into the card. It's pretty easy. You turn it three times, you seal up the card, and you watch it for 15 minutes. And you're watching for, you know, two things. Number one, a control slash. In other words, uh, a dark bar under control, which means that it's working. And then hopefully you don't see a second slash, which means you're positive. Mm. Uh, I, I think the easiest thing that we're probably the most used to that I can compare this to is a pregnancy test. Ah, sure. Works very similar, very similar technology. And it's really a flow of liquid down, uh, down uh, a lateral test. That's why in Europe you'll hear it called lateral flow testing. Uh, in America, we call it home antigen testing, but it's essentially a lateral flow test that is detecting uh, a protein uh, which is given off from somebody who's actively infected with COVID-19. And so you actually, you, you, you swab your own nostrils, both nostrils, and then you put it on that card where the, the, that fluid is that you've put the drops on. And how long does it take to get a result? Accurately, 15 minutes is what you should be waiting for. But once again, every single home test is different. Some run in 15-minute increments. Others may run in different time increments. But it's usually, I'd say, under 30 minutes. It's, it's why they call it a rapid test. Mm -hmm. So in 15 minutes, you know if somebody has a actively replicating virus in them. Um, likely they have symptoms, but they could be asymptomatic and just not displaying symptoms at this time. And that's where the accuracy comes in. Okay. So... And you talked a little bit about that, about the difference between the PCR and the um, the antigen or the at-home testing kit. So first question I have here is, if you have symptoms, but you have a negative at-home test, is that cause to go for still for a PCR test? You know, I think it, most definitely. If, if you still have symptoms, uh, once again, the antigen test doesn't always pick up disease. The PCR is much better at it. So if you're symptomatic, you have any one of those typical COVID symptoms, and you do an at-home test, and it's negative, that doesn't mean you're done. It definitely means you need to go to a healthcare provider uh, and get a PCR test, because that's where the accuracy is going to come in. So I guess the best way to look at it is an at-home test is really useful if it's positive. If it's negative, it usually requires a next step, which could, depending on where you're using it for, if you're using it because you have symptoms, it's another 
go for a PCR. If you're using it just to screen people, uh, you know, I want to make sure that uh, so-and-so doesn't have COVID. A single negative antigen test is, is not really all that accurate. But you can improve its accuracy by doing two to three in a week to make sure somebody doesn't have COVID that doesn't have symptoms. If I'm watching that, you know, that test and I see it's positive, what are my next steps? Well, you know, number one, it's doing what we all should be doing is isolating away from everybody for 10 days. That includes family that you live with, staying in your own room, not sharing a bathroom, masking within the house, all the isolation uh, techniques that we've talked about informing those that you've been in close contact with that they need to be tested. And if they don't have symptoms, they may need a PCR test maybe three to five days after they've been exposed to you. So it's really important that the first thing you do is prevent the spread of COVID-19. And secondly, it's also caring about you. You know, in March of 2020, if you were positive, we would just watch you very carefully, maybe check your oxygen saturations every so often, but we didn't have treatment. We really didn't have anything to do unless you got really sick in the hospital, and then those are the types of treatments nobody wants to see, such as being on a ventilator. Now, because we have treatments outside of the hospital, monoclonal antibodies being the the number one treatment outside of the hospital, if you're positive and you, you have risk factors, you're slightly overweight, you have high blood pressure, you have diabetes, or any one of the things that can make you immune compromised, you should be in contact with your healthcare provider right away to get scheduled for monoclonal antibody. And I think that's what concerns us as providers. We want more testing. We want people to know they're positive and to be able to isolate. But we worry that there's people out there that we have treatment for that might not contact us. Mm, Sure. So, and and really, you know, this kind of testing could lead you to getting treatment earlier, which I imagine is, is a much better scenario. Yeah, you know, the minute that we can get you monoclonal antibody, the earlier the better. So if you're somebody with high risk factors and you're two days in, if we get you in for day three, that really reduces the chance of this progressing to the point, because you have risk factors, of needing oxygen or winding up in the hospital or, you know, even dying. There's a lot of things that monoclonal antibodies can help with. They don't 100% prevent any of those uh, downstream negative things, but they definitely uh, prevent a lot of it. It's not 100%, though. Is there any responsibility on me as an individual if I have a positive at-home test that I need to report that to public health somehow? And why might that be important? You know, that's something that I think the United States does not have the right infrastructure for that really needs to be discussed. Ideally, yes. We would want to know because knowing what disease activity is within an area is very important. It kind of, you know, for some cases, school systems um, make decisions around mitigation masking, for example, based on case activity. Well, if all of a sudden 25% of case activity is not being reported because it's being done at home, we don't have an accurate picture. Or maybe there's a new variant about us, uh, such as, you know, what we're seeing with Omicron outside of the country and now within the country being able to track its prevalence and its spread, if once again, 25 to 30% of testing all of a sudden is at home, it's going to be pretty difficult to do that. So I think there's a lot need, that needs to be done. Uh, number one, I think it's great that we're expanding testing. I, I don't want to you know, downplay that in any way, but we need other aspects of you know, what do you do when you're positive and a lot of education out there and hopefully a public health infrastructure that can take that data in. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about 
when I should consider taking an at-home test. Honestly, the first thing that my mind goes to is holidays and gatherings, other scenarios. Probably the biggest scenario before we get into like holidays and gatherings is I have symptoms. And instead of leaving the house and exposing everybody, grabbing an at-home test and seeing if you have COVID or not. You know, the prevalence of the Delta variant, and it looks like the prevalence of the Omicron variant, uh, there's a good chance if you're vaccinated but not boosted uh, and you've been in a high-risk situation uh, in a room where people aren't masking and you don't know who's got it, who doesn't, who's vaccinated, who's not, say a public event, uh, and then all of a sudden two days later you've got the sniffles or you got a headache or a sore throat, grab that at-home test and test yourself before you leave the house and expose people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the number one use. When it comes to the holidays, you know, we want people to gather. Nobody wants, uh, you know, people to be alone, but let's do it safely. The number one thing that we would say is make sure everybody in that room is vaccinated and boosted, especially those are high risk. Our grandmas, our grandparents, our our parents, anybody who's high risk in that that situation. And then, yeah, I think at-home testing has uh, a purpose, but a single at-home test as you're walking in the door, probably not good enough. But maybe an at-home test 48 hours or 72 hours and then, you know, grabbing another one right before you go in, that'll increase our chances of finding somebody who's positive. It's not going to be perfect. Nothing in COVID-19 has been perfect. Mm -hmm. But finding that one person before they walk in the door that could be positive and is positive and preventing spreading it in a high-risk environment, such as a holiday gathering, not a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the accessibility of at-home testing kits. Is it is it tough to, to find them available? You know, it kind of depends. I think early on, you know, uh, you know, let's just take the Abbott test. It's called Binex. Uh, it was pretty easy to find. Then they stopped making them uh, because they thought, you know, they didn't need them anymore. Then they had to ramp up production. And now you can find them depending on which, you know, store you go to. Some have them, some don't. They're probably not as easy to get as they should be. And they're not as cheap as they should be. You know, if we really want people to test a lot, you know, say we want people to take two to three tests before the holidays going into them, which is not a bad thing. It increases the sensitivity of finding that. You know what? For some families, you know, at 15 bucks a test, that's $45 before you visit grandma. Uh, that's a big chunk of money, you know, coming out of a stocking. So I think we need to figure out as a country how we're going to do that better. Uh, and probably need to figure out that out quicker than uh, than than later, and also get some advice out there as we head into the holidays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anything in particular um, that we need to be looking for when we're buying an at-home testing kit? FDA label, for example. You know, um, most of these are under an EUA, so they have some sort of label on it. You know, I go to a reputable store, uh, such as a, a pharmacy that you're familiar with, uh, Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, Target type of situation versus there are some, I don't know if the right term is knockoff, mm-hmm. but whenever you have something good, there's always something bad on the internet, right? Yep. So people are going to try to sell you stuff on the internet that may not be as viable. So it's good to go through either a reliable internet provider or store or go in person um, and make sure it's got that FDA EUA label, good instructions. Uh, you know, I, I think we're going to start to see a few more come out here in the United States in the next month or two. And just make sure you're on that CDC website uh, and they'll list off the ones that are good or the FDA website. Um, do your homework uh, and buy in bulk mm-hmm. once the price comes down. So you always have one. I, I was going to say, you know, it, 
is it a good idea to just have some of these on hand, right? I mean, even though they're not 100% accurate, yep. is it good to just have some at home? Yeah, we've got a, a, a variety of age groups in my household, so we always have them on hand. You know, I you know order them online from Walgreens every couple weeks, and uh, and we have a pretty low threshold uh, to test a kid uh, in our household, and they're used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just want to know. And, you know, if one turns positive, then we want to be able to isolate um, myself, because I see patients in a high-risk environment, I get tested. Uh, I try to test myself a couple times a week on top of getting a normal PCR test. Mm-hmm. So if let's, let's summarize this. Pros of at-home testing. You know, accessibility and speed uh, is probably the number one thing, is just, you know, not having to go anywhere and having a test and having a quick result. Cons. You know, it's an antigen test. It's not the gold standard, and we could miss some positives. It's really good if you have symptoms, not as good if you don't, uh, unless you take multiple tests. And the other con is if you're positive, we might not know it, and we might not be able to get you the help you need. So we really need to instruct people if you're positive to talk to your healthcare provider. Anything else we should be thinking about when it comes to at-home testing? You know, I think we need a lot more education. This would be a, a good thing to do a video on and how to use and just a lot of education at, at every setting so families know how to do it. Um, you know, there was a time where every one of us knew how to take a temperature with a good old-fashioned thermometer. Now if I handed that to somebody, they're like, where's the on button or the off button? They wouldn't know that. So I think there's some education that needs to happen when you're doing anything at home to make sure it's safe and it's accurate. Dr. Rye, thank you so much for joining us for this topic. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your expertise. And thank you to our listeners. The CDC offers more information about at-home or self-testing on its website at cdc.gov. You've been listening to Plug Into Health with Provea Health. To learn more and to submit ideas for future shows, please visit provea.com slash podcast. And please remember, the information provided in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. It is not intended to replace interactions with your healthcare professional. And if you are concerned about your healthcare, you should consult with your healthcare professional. You can learn more about Prevea Health at Prevea.com. Thank you for choosing to plug into health with Prevea Health.